Welcome to Hillside Baptist Church Podcast. We are a church that is committed to preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. And it is our privilege to open God's word with you. It is our prayer that you receive the message from the man of God with an open heart. That through God's word, you are encouraged and equipped to face life's challenges. But most importantly, it is our prayer that you accept Jesus Christ as your Savior if you haven't already. If you'd like to connect with us, you can do so at hillsidebc.com, find us on Facebook, or send us an email at info at hillsidebc.com. We hope that you benefit from today's message and that you would share it with a friend. But let's now open our hearts and God's Word. Well, thankful for the Lord tonight, amen. And thankful for His Word, and I can't wait to uh, have a little fun with you tonight as we get into the Word of God. Uh, we are on lesson number two of our biblical stewardship. We're going to do a little recap from yes, uh, from last week, uh, but we're looking at sensible money management. We're going to have some fun. How many of you are thankful for your spouse? Amen. Aren't they wonderful? I tell you, I'm grateful for my wife, and uh, she is uh, the best wife I've ever had, and I am so grateful uh, that God put us together. But I will tell you uh, that sometimes there can be some conflict in marriage. You ever ever had a little conflict in marriage? Uh, I know so y'all have a perfect marriage. I'm still working on mine, 22 years, and I, I figured out I don't have it figured out yet. But there's a, one thing uh, that I can work toward, and that is I'd be able to, if we, when we get a handle of this money thing, then things in our relationship are a lot better. And so that is, a matter of fact, we'll share some t- statistics later tonight, but that is an area where a lot of fam- families and marriages struggle is in this area of money. And so tonight uh, we're going to recount some four guiding principles that uh, really uh, guide us from the Word of God. I, I shared these last week during our live stream, uh, but uh, these four principles are principles we've got to make sure that we solidify in our heart and mind. And the very first one is that of ownership, the principle of ownership. And really, the principle of ownership is simply, everything belongs to the guy who made it. I didn't make it, you didn't make it, God did, amen? In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. And so we recognize that everything we see belongs to Him. And so the next time we're tempted to look at things and say, boy, look at my nice house, or look at my nice truck, or look at my beautiful family, or I'm so thankful that I've got this great church. You know, I, oftentimes people, I have, if I haven't seen them in a while, they'll say, how's it like to have your own church? I said, I wouldn't know. I didn't die for one, and I sure don't own one. I said, listen, I, I'm, just, I'm just the under-shepherd. I said, the one who owns it all is the Lord. And so we've got to have that kind of mindset about everything that we have. Uh, and so... Uh, that's just the very first principle is when we know who it belongs to, then we understand that, listen, the pressure is not on for us to keep it. Okay, so that's important. Second thing, the principle of responsibility. The Bible calls us stewards. We're stewards of God. That's what we discussed last week, the fact that we are stewards. He entrusts us to care for the things on this earth, and that includes our family, our finances. It includes our homes. It includes the things that we have around us. And so a steward is one that is entrusted by the owner to care or even grow what was entrusted to him. And so we have this responsibility from God to care for the things that he's placed in our lives. And so I remind our children of this principle. Principle, uh, and it is the reason uh, my philosophy has been to leave things better than the way that I found them. 
It doesn't belong to me. I, I remember as a, as a kid, this was a principle that my dad placed in, in my life and a value that he left with me was to make sure that if I ever borrow something, try to give it back better than what you got it. Don't tear it up and then try to return it. Why? Because I've been entrusted as a steward of whatever it was that was lent to me. Well, listen, as I look around me, I see, listen, God is entrusted of some great things, great people, uh, great my buildings, but listen, God wants us to leave them and build upon those things. 1 Corinthians 3 lays out that same principle that we build upon the foundation that has been given us. Not abuse it, not tear it down. And so I am a steward and I want to be faithful. Because the next principle is accountability. One day, every Christian will give an account to God about how faithful we are as stewards. Were you faithful to invest wisely? to use your time and your talents, to give generously, uh, to not, not love money. Paul warns Timothy in 1 Timothy 6.10, he says, for the love of money is the root of all evil. And so, he said, listen, you've got to guard that tendency in your life. And so we will give an account for how we steward the things that God has entrusted to us. And the last principle we shared last time was the principle of reward. Missionary Jim Elliott said... He is no fool to give up what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. This eternal perspective is looking forward to the eternal rewards that God will give to faithful stewards. And this is a willingness to let God teach you to be a good steward of your family, your time, your resources. And it is, a, it is uh, faith, uh, it takes faith to look past the I want it and I want it now syndrome to see that God has something bigger if we will just follow his plan. Now, these four principles are guiding principles. They are the ones that will help us when we sit down to do a budget or we sit down uh, to, to determine, Lord, how will we give? Lord, what will we do with the resources you've given us? They are guiding principles for our life. And I believe that once you have those rooted firmly in your hearts, then everything else becomes easy with money. Matter of fact, I, I've learned that uh, this, is, this is not a problem for Kristen and I uh, when it comes to giving. Uh, we love to give. It's one of our favorite things is to be able to say, Lord, I, I love to just give to the Lord because you've given me so much. I can't outgive God. We were reviewing our financials from the last year and uh, we were looking over our missions giving and and, you know, we've took, taken on several new missionaries through the course of the year. We've done uh, several new projects. And I, I told the, the men there, I said, man, I'm just amazed. We cannot outgive God. We give to missions and we give to missions. And, and God still allows us to have uh, to see that account continue to grow there. I said, we can't outgive God. And why? The guiding principle is it all belongs to Him and we want Him to get the glory. We're just stewards of what He's entrusted. So uh, tonight, as we kind of jump into this next one, sensible money management, uh, what I want to encourage you uh, is to see these four principles as guiding principles. Now, I will give a little caveat here. Uh, I stole some of this information, bought it, stole, uh, gleaned, whatever word you want to use there. I, I like and appreciate uh, Dave Ramsey. And uh, a lot of the things that he shares, so I, share, uh, I borrowed some of his ideas uh, to share with you tonight. And so would I uh, recommend uh, like some of his material. Uh, matter of fact, if you got the handout, that is something that's produced on his website. I just thought it might be a benefit to you this evening. So thinking about the four principles. What is the first one? Ownership. Ownership. Good. What's the second one? Responsibility. The third one? Accountability. And the last one is on the screen. 
Reward. All right, good. So those are in my mind. I don't want to forget those four things. That's what's going to be guiding us tonight. And so, and this is important because when we sit down and we, and I, I look, talk to families all the time. And uh, matter of fact, I just had a, a conversation with a, a family last night and they were telling me, you know, we're starting to really feel the pinch of Bidenomics. And, uh, and I said, you know, I, I, uh, I can understand completely. And there have been times where we've had to make difficult decisions. And this is a time where the whole globe is seeing record inflation. Uh, this year, I, I heard that there will be more elections globally this year than in the last 100 years. This one year uh, will have more elections globally than any other year in the last 100 years. Listen, it seems like the dollar doesn't go as far as it wants to. Everyone's feeling that squeeze. But God's Word's given us some tools to help discern what is the most important in the area of finances. And that means sometimes we have to make hard decisions, remove subscriptions, sell a vehicle, downsize, or just simply learning to say no. But listen, stewarding our resources leads to a happier marriages and really a more peaceful relationship in the home. There's a story I heard about George Bush Sr. and him and Barbara were campaigning across Texas for re-election and, and as the presidential limo pulled into the gas station there in Podunk Town, Texas, boy, uh, Barbara, uh, the, the gas station attendant, ran out of, the, uh, out of the gas station there and he said, man, I, I can't wait. He says, I get to put gas in the presidential limo and he's out there and Barbara looks up and sees him and she gets all excited. She jumps out of the car, runs around, gives him a big hug and, and she starts to just talk to him and they're jibber jabbering and after about 10 minutes or so she comes and sits down in the car president bush looks at barbara and says what was that all about she says oh that was my high school boyfriend she said it was good to meet up with him and he just kind of smiles and he says you mean to tell me you could have ma you married a gas station attendant but instead you got to marry the president of the united states she said george don't be silly she said if i'd have married him he'd have been president of the united states <laughs> Listen, Proverbs 31 has it right. He says in verses 10 and 11, Who can find a virtuous woman for her price is far above rubies. The heart of her husband doth safely trust in her so that he shall have no need of spoil. The Bible says a prudent wife is of the Lord. And all of these things are true when we deal with this. And I, I just want to have a little fun tonight. Do y'all want to have some fun in church? Y'all going to have... Oh, good. So I want you to just kind of relate. We're going to have a little bit of a have interaction here in a minute. And you want you to laugh at yourself because you're going to find that there's some silly things that we do, especially in relation to money, but we're going to be biblical with it too. And we're going to start very first and foremost with your value system. The value system is important. When we're dealing with money in relationships, our families or personal lives, what we find is the flow of money in a family represents what you value, the value system under which that family operates. So in Matthew chapter 6 and verse number 21 in your Bibles, he says, for where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Let's read that aloud together, shall we? For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. When Jesus was instructing the disciples, he shared this concept that our checkbook determines what is important to us. Now, for you kids underneath 30 years old, a checkbook is what we used to have in the... In, okay, just kidding. Larry Burkett just said, used to say, it's a checkbook autobiography. It's where your money goes, uh, and it tells what is important to you. And so take a moment tonight, mentally or maybe on your paper where you're taking notes, and, and just ask yourself, what have I spent money on lately that reveals what's important to me? Is it Coca-Cola, because I like to stop and get those drinks, or is it uh, maybe what's important to me is just uh, as tools? My wife knows when I go to Lowe's, 
she better take the, 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 the money out of my wallet. She's like, I'm going to send you with the exact amount of money that you need when you go to Lowe's so you don't walk out of there with another tool. Listen, what I've learned is that men and women are vast, vastly different in our value system. Okay, husbands, look at your wife, wife, look at your husband. I'm going to look at mine down here and look at, look at them and say, you're different than me. And I'm thankful for that. I didn't hear you, and I'm thankful for that. All right, good. So that's a good thing. Right now, now, looking at each other, the world says, listen, your differences mean that you're, you're, that you're wrong. But I love that God values the differences, and He places opposites together. And I look at this, and I think, well, praise the Lord. I'm so grateful my wife is nothing like me, because if she was, I probably would have shot me a long time ago. Amen? Listen, this is true in life and money. Gary Smalley said, men love to share facts. Women love to share feelings. What a difference. You can think about men as we interact with one another. We like to do things. We go to hunting together. We shoot skeet together. We work on the car together. Listen, we like to connect by doing things. And we can do something and never share anything verbally the whole time and be like, man, that was a good day. I mean, it was a good day. My son and I, we could be out in the shop and, man, we could be out there for hours. And my wife would say, well, what would y'all talk about? I said, nothing. She said, well, but he was supposed to tell you, I said, yeah, well, we don't, we don't talk, we just do. We're just together. It's important. Women connect by talking. Matter of fact, they operate differently because their values are different. Did you know that someone once said that men speak an average of thirty to 50,000 words a day, women speak an average of fifty to 70,000 words a day with peaks up to 125,000? <laughs> Listen, there's differences in man. Isn't it, aren't you grateful? And so women, when, you, when your husband gets home at the end of the day and you've spent all day with the children and you're like, I'm ready for real verbal communication and he's like, uh, uh. That's because he ran out of words. He used his quota for the day. Listen, we're different. Gary Smalley also said, men tend to be controlling. Women tend to be agreeable. Men tend to be independent while women tend to be interdependent. In John Gray's book, Men Are From Mars and Women Are From Venus, he said, men tend to define themselves by results. Men, women tend to define themselves by the quality of the relationship. What I'm saying in all this is we are different. And those differences come up big time when we deal with the way we handle money and the way we interact. We have to take all of this into consideration if there's going to be uh, a, an agreement in the family. So the very first thing that we need to, do, to decide to do in our marriage, if we're going to be sensible in our money management, if we're going to be willing to say, okay, we're going to make sure that our house is built on a solid foundation for where your treasure is, there will your heart be also, I believe the very first thing every home you ought to have is an emergency fund. Listen, one of the goals of our home early on was to make sure we had uh, an emergency fund. And this is important. And this is more important, I think, to the wife than it is the, the husband. But I think it's also biblical. And we can go back to the scriptures in Proverbs chapter 21. Turn there in your Bible in just a moment. Because what we're doing is we're, uh, we're saying, listen, we're going to make sure that we're not trusting on uh, credit or, uh, or anything else if there's an emergency. So what does that look like? It starts with $1,000. After that, it's a fully funded emergency fund. It's recommended to be three to six months of expenses uh, where you can access it. You're not going to access it to, uh, to buy the groceries. It's just simply for emergencies. Proverbs chapter 21 and verse number 20 says, There is treasure to be desired and oil in the dwelling of the wise, but a foolish man spendeth 
it up. Notice the difference. There's one that spends it all and one that, uh, and the Bible says the wise has been willing to set some aside. As a matter of fact, if you uh, just peruse through the book of Proverbs, you're going to find this principle uh, that is shared over and over. And I was just glancing through, because uh, in my Bible as I read through Proverbs, I highlight different things, uh, different colors. And, and, so, and, and as I just walked through this, I was reminded uh, of Proverbs 22.7. The rich ruleth over the poor, and the borrower is servant to the lender. And listen, if we have that emergency fund built up, there's a couple of things that happen. One, we're not borrowing money. We don't need it. But the other thing that happens is, uh, is I like what, what Dave Ramsey said. He said, every woman has a special gland right in here. You know what that is? That's called a security gland. Men, we don't have it. We, we, it doesn't exist. But a woman has a, a security gland right here. And when you have a fully fun, functioning emergency fund, then that security gland relaxes. And the weird thing is about that, uh, uh, that, uh, that gland, that security gland, is it's attached to her face. And when that's relaxed, then her face is relaxed. And when that's not relaxed, then everything else is not relaxed. I think I've got a picture of what happens if you don't do a fully functioning security gland. Listen, wisdom teaches us that it's important to prepare. Proverbs 6, verses 6 through 9, Go to the ant, thou sluggard. Consider her ways and be wise, which having no guide, overseer, or ruler, provided her meat in the summer and gathereth her food in the harvest. Listen, you know what happens? Sometimes while women struggle with insecurity and fear when finances are short, men have a tendency to lose confidence. Listen, men, we recognize that our, our God has called us to provide for and care for our family. Matter of fact, Paul told Timothy in 1 Timothy 5 8, but if any provide not for his own, especially for those of his own house, he hath denied the faith and is worse than an infidel. And so there is a, a place in a man also that, uh, that's not fearful as much as it is insecure about this fact that, listen, if I can't provide for my family, then I am, I'm not much of a man. And so ladies, let me just encourage you, if you're in a family that's struggling financially, your husband doesn't feel like much of a man, or much like a knight in shining armor. Matter of fact, it feels like maybe the armor is tarnished, and the last thing he needs is that little barking chihuahua, because he might find a, one more use for that sword, you know what I mean? <laughs> so it's important to remember the principles of ownership in these moments. God owns it all, okay? If you're in a financial difficulty, remember who owns it all. If he chooses to remove it all, he will stay, take, still take care of you. Remember Philippians 4.19, But my God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Paul wrote this after he had just talked about, I have been rich, I have been poor, I've been, I've, but I've learned in everything just to be content. And my God has supplied all of my need according to His riches and glory by Christ Jesus. You see, Paul knew that he could rest in God's provision, and we can still, in 2024, not knowing the future, but knowing our God, rest in God's provision for our family. But we also must use some wisdom to know uh, that when we sow good, sound judgment, wisdom, and faithfulness to God, there will be God's blessings. He says in Galatians 6, 7, and 8, Be not deceived, God is not mocked. For whatsoever man soweth, that shall he also reap. And so the Bible says in Proverbs 3, 9 and 10, Honor the Lord with thy substance, and with the firstfruits of all thine increase, so, thy, so shall thy barns be filled with plenty, and thy presses shall burst out with new wine. We'll deal with more about uh, just, just following God's precepts in giving next week, but to, I know no one will be here next week. But listen, but tonight I want you to see that when we're trusting God, we're faithful to Him, He he will always provide. 
In those seasons when it seems like the barn is empty, keep trusting God. Keep trusting His promises. In those seasons when, when it seems like everything is lean, just continue to rest assured that, uh, that God will be faithful. The reality is that we have a tendency to become fearful, resentful, angry, or bitter. When, and, and this causes us then to pull away when God knows that if we are just lean into one another, there can be a total transformation. The number one cause in marriage and divorce is, most, is over money fights. Seven out of ten couples disagree about financial issues. That means in this room, uh, there are couples tonight that, are, that disagree about money. 57% of divorced couples say that money was the primary reason they did not get along. And it's the number one thing that breaks up marriages. I like what Larry Burkett, he said, he said, listen, if it's the number one problem, then it's the number one opportunity. So if we're going to make a good marriage, uh, we can, getting this right can take a good marriage and make it fabulous, or a bad marriage and make it good. It can take a broken marriage and bring it back together to make it heal. And we do this first by starting that emergency fund, and then secondly, agree on your value system. That's agreeing on your spending. And this is important. Do you remember when you got married? I remember the day, July 7, 2001, my wife and I looked at each other in the eyes, and we said that our I do's exchanged our vows, and the preacher said in Genesis 2.24, Therefore shall a man leave his father and mother and cleave unto his wife, and they shall be one flesh. That's good. But you know what? That first year, I don't remember feeling much like one flesh. Anybody else have a, have a first year that was a little bit exciting? Uh, exciting? What, what's that, Brother Ricky? <laughs> He said it. Amen. It was a little exciting that first year. I remember we weren't necessarily one flesh. There was, there, was, there was some difficulties and some things that arose, sometimes over money, sometimes over other things. But listen, we weren't, we weren't one just because we said, I, I do. That came with some time and learning and putting down self and trusting one another. And we're still working on it here now. Listen, the preacher ties the knot, but the problem is stuff gets stuck in the center of that knot. The problem is that he grows up uh, thinking, uh, you know, it, it, we grow up in different households. And I, I grew up in a household where all the money was spent. And she grew up in a household where they saved everything they had. And, and so this is kind of cute when you're dating, but it's not so cute once you say, I do. Listen, I want to save. Uh, one of them says, I want to save. The other one says, I want to buy a new boat. Amos 3 3 says, Can two walk together except they be agreed? Listen, if we'll sit down together to agree on our spending, what you're doing is you're saying, Listen, this is what is important to our family and our goals, our dreams, our fears. This is what's important to us. And so this is, uh, this is something that we have to commit to is, is just simply saying, Okay, we want to commit to this and this and this together because this agreement builds unity in marriage. So how do we do that? Well, we create a budget. Let's talk about that tonight. That's where we're going to be uh, for the remainder of our time. But the question becomes this. Who should do the financial decision making? So I, I've heard all kinds of theories over the years. Uh, and some said, well, a man ought to make all the financial decisions because, praise God, he's the man. Well, I've known some pretty lousy financiers that were men. And, uh, and they did not lead their family well in this area. 
And so others on the other extreme said, well, whoever's best ought to, I just, ought to just take care of it. But the reality is we both have to be involved in the budgeting process. It's not a one or the other. So let's talk about preparing the budget. Typically, not only do opposites attract in that men and women are different, but in other things too. Listen, think, think about your, your family dynamic. One of you is late for everything and the other is always on time. Can I get an amen? How about this? One of you is always burning up in a place and the other one's always freezing. One is a spender, one is a saver, and you know who you are. Listen, these differences aren't bad because, listen, if you're a spender, you need the savers to make sure you don't have to buy that book, 71 Ways to Cook Alpo and Love It, you know? And then if you're a saver, you need a little spender in your life so that you have a life, amen? So we're going to bring out some friends. Uh, some, some, the first one is going to be the nerd, all right? So here's our nerd right here. All right, come on out here, sir. Here is our nerd. Now, nerds are an interesting breed of people, and you'll know it if you're a nerd. They have to be on time. Everything has a place, and everything's in its place. They have a system of organization and enjoy paying the bills. Sickness, I know. They like looking at a spreadsheet. The nerd is detailed and organized and on time. They're very precise, and they always think things through. We're going to call him Steve, last name Urkel. All right. The nerd likes to do things, uh, doing, likes to enjoys the budget because it gives them a sense of control. Here's a secret. All nerds have a little bit of a control freak living inside of them. Now, how many of you would say, I'm a nerd? <laughs> Most nerds don't want to admit it. All right, good. We know. Thank you, sir. <laughs> He's very good at that. All right, the next person in the equation is what we will call the free spirit. Come on out. Oh. All right, now the free spirit is the one that likes to go with the feeling and the motion of the moment. The care that the nerd gives them makes them feel like they're being controlled and not cared for, but instead he's got a thumb on them the whole time. Free spirits, no, I live this and they're mature as well. They just believe in having a little bit of a life. I don't know what the sign is about, but you know, she's a free spirit. Listen, they don't get a life out of, uh, they don't enjoy looking at three generation spreadsheets. They don't like to, uh, to click the third tab over and spend hours looking at the details of any kind of budget. That's not them. But what happens is the nerd and the free spirit, they get married. Isn't this a match made in heaven? <laughs> all right. And then what happens is we bring all of these differences into marriage and with it comes baggage and all kinds of sometimes conflict and one wants this and one wants that. And not too long into the marriage, the nerd decides it's time to go up on the mountain and talk to God about the budget. Amen. You nerds, you know what I'm talking about. I've got to go talk to God. And after analyzing and praying and detailing the meeting with God, the nerd comes down from mountain with his, with his prepared tablets of stone, written in stone, the budget. His face is coming down all sunburned like Charlton Heston coming down off the mountain. And we come out and those nerds, they come out and they talk to the free spirit and they get the rest of the family together and say, family, I've just come down from the mountain from meeting with God and this is our budget. And he puts it down and he expects all the family to fawn over his desire to be able to get a handle on the budget and the finances and prepare for the future. But you know what happens instead? The free spirit says, 
I'll look at that after I get back from the mall. <laughs> We're in our family. After I get back from Lowe's, I'll take a look at that. Listen, tragically, this conflict creates a constant tension, and some marriages go through decades of tension in the air. Some have resorted to, well, you pay your bills and I'll pay my bills. This is what we call the clash of the titans, and it doesn't make for a great marriage, but there's a way to solve it. Let's give them a hand, shall we? Amen. All right, so the way that we solve it is called a budget committee meeting. I, I like this terminology, except for the whole committee thing, but we've got to have it, amen? So we're going to come together, birds, uh, birds, nerds, <laughs> nerds and free spirits are going to unite here, but the first, so there's a couple of steps that's going to happen. First off, if you're the nerd, would you, would you acknowledge it just for a moment? All right, good. Some of you are willing to acknowledge it. How many of you are free spirits? Woo! Yeah. All right. Now, the first thing that happens is, nerd, you enjoy this, so go prepare the budget. Do. Do it. And the basics of budgeting uh, is that every single dollar is spent on paper before the month begins. We're going to look at that process in just a moment. But every dollar has a name and a direction. So you already, before you get started, you're assigning the direction. And then, once you have the budget prepared, you call the budget committee meeting. Now, here's some rules for the meeting. Nerds. One... When you get the budget done, you set it on the table and you don't say a word. You have to just slide it over to the other person. The second one is it's a meeting, not a weekend-long summit. Amen? Remember, when you're dealing with someone who's a free spirit, you've got a 17-minute window and then they're gone. Their body may still be there, but their spirit's gone. Third, you must insist that they change something on the budget. Now, for, if you're a free spirit and you know it, the very first rule and the most important is you have to come to the meeting. That's good, right? You can't have a meeting without both parties there. The second thing is you often will have to bring your brain. That's also an important thing. Amen? Listen, I, I, and that means that if you're going to raise some things in the budget, then you have to lower some things everywhere, somewhere else because every dollar is accounted for. L listen, we're not Congress. I can't just print money, right? And you can't eat. Well, maybe you can. Just don't tell me about it and don't put it in the offering. And then number three rule for if you're a free spirit. You can never say under any circumstances, whatever you want to do, because that means I don't care. I'm going to do what I want. So it's a process where both of us have to be willing to work in this. So what do you do? To get started, step one, you must list your income. What is your income? And so this is very, very basic. Income is any money that you plan to get during that month. And so create a separate income budget lines for every paycheck you receive. If you've got two incomes in your household, separate budget lines for every single one. And so we've got an example up there, his paycheck, her paycheck, his paycheck, her paycheck. If you've got a side hustle job that you're doing, include that in there. And then you have your total income for the month that's represented. Now, if you've got an irregular income, what happens is you have to take a look at what you've made the last few months and list the lowest amount of this month's uh, income and list uh, and planned income, plan your budget around the lowest amount of the last few months. You can always adjust it later in the month, and if you make more, here's what happens. The extra money will go toward uh, another item in your budget, or even better, you put it toward your savings goals uh, or your other financial goals that you have, paying off your home or whatever it may be whatever wherever yet step two list your expenses now this is very important because once you have all have planned what all comes in the next thing you have to do is plan for where that money goes and so 
have your bank account app, your statement, whatever you use, ready to look at uh, as you sit down and do this. And before you put, put uh, and before you put the things you pay every month in your budget, set aside money for giving. And we'll talk about this more next week, but it puts a priority in your, in your heart of what's most important. 2 Corinthians 9, 7 says, Every man according his purpose in his heart, so let him give, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loveth a cheerful giver. And uh, we'll, we'll deal with that next week, but it's not a bad thing. It, God has talked about the riches uh, when we get to just be a part of His plans. Uh, and then uh, if you don't have an emergency fund yet, you need to make saving one of your priorities. And, and then the next thing after that would be cover your four walls. So that's food, utilities, shelter, transportation, those things that are absolutely essential. And then you can list other monthly expenses. All right, so start with essentials. Insurance, debt, child care if you have that. Then work a uh, uh, miscellaneous line uh, and other non-essentials like personal spending. You kind of get the idea. I think we've got a list of some ideas that are there. Also on the handout that I gave you, uh, there are uh, there's a worksheet that you could work through with your family. If we ran out, we can make more copies for you. Uh, but I just wanted every family to kind of get an idea. You can download those for free. That's free off of uh, the, the Ramsey website. Step three, now you want to subtract expenses from income. Subtract all your expenses from your income. This number should equal to zero. Remember, this is we want to zero out our budget. We're not zeroing out our bank account. We're zeroing out our budget. We're telling every dollar where it needs to go. And so if I've got 6500 coming in, then I want to make sure that through the month, I've got $6,500 that's been budgeted in that, uh, that budget. And so that means if we're, uh, we're on a goal to be able to create an emergency fund, uh, then the first thing we want to do uh, is, is to th save $1,000 dollars and so that thousand dollars goes into a bank account and it is safe there no one touches it you don't touch it she doesn't touch it it's there as a as an absolute emergency but you put that as a line item in your budget you plan for all those things what I've often said is is that when we're budgeting what we decide is where the money will go before we get there all right and so at, at the end of the month, if we look back and you say, you know, we wanted some Andy's ice cream a couple of times, but we didn't put that in our budget. Can we put it in our budget this next month? You know, those things, you, the budget then becomes the, the dictator, not the spouse. And this is really good marriage advice. Because when the budget, you're, you've agreed on the budget, and you said, this is how we're going to live this month in our budget, then both the spouses come together and say, this is what we agree on, this is what's important to us, and then if there's something that comes up in the middle of the month, there's one of two options. Well, we didn't plan for that, or we'll have an emergency budget meeting, and we'll decide if this is something that we can do, but we've got to figure out where it has to come from. So as you come to the end of this, just remember, subtract your expenses. If what happens, though, if you subtract your expenses and you've got money left over? Wouldn't that be nice? Not something that happens very often. Uh, one, you don't leave it there. So if you come down and you've still got $100 you need to spend, uh, if you don't tell it where to go, it'll go anywhere it wants, uh, anywhere you just want to spend it. And so you have to, if you're going to get your dollars to work for you, you've got to put it in a place. So if that $100 is going to be towards savings, then make sure that you put it there. What if, though, you end up with a negative number? And so uh, you've only got $6,500, but your budget came out to $7,000. Well, you've got to figure out $500 
uh, to remove from your budget or you need to find another income for the month. The, the goal is to come to zero before the month begins. Okay, That's what budgeting is. And that is something that will help your family uh, just day by day, not just to, just to live paycheck to paycheck, but to get ahead and to be able to, to, uh, to breathe again. And so, uh, so both the spouses can enjoy one another. Listen, the greatest lesson we learn with our resources is that, listen, it's not ours. That our homes, they're not really ours. I, I remember when we moved into our home and we were so thankful for what God had given us. I just, I just knelt there and I said, Lord, thank you for letting us borrow this place for a while. Because that's all we get to do. It all belongs to Him. And maybe that house will be there when I'm gone. Maybe it won't be. But re regardless, I, I'll be gone a long time before, before that land will. Because it all belongs to God. And one day, I'm going to give an account to the Lord for how I utilize the resources. So as we close tonight, I want to share two things, two passages with you. First one is Proverbs 17, 21, 17. He that loveth pleasure shall be a poor man. He that loveth wine and oil shall not be rich. You know, as, as Solomon was writing uh, and just leaving these nuggets of wisdom for us through God's inspiration, we're reminded that, listen, if we value our pleasure above everything else, then guess what? There's not going to be enough. We'll never find enough pleasure to satisfy. And that's why 1 Timothy 6 deals with this idea of contentment. All my life long, I thirsted for living water, what we sang before, were satisfied in Christ alone. He says in 1 Timothy 6, 6-10, through But godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into this world, and it is certain we can carry nothing out. And having food and raiment therewith, uh, let us be therewith content. But they that will be rich fall into temptation and a snare, and into many foolish and hurtful lusts, which drown men in destruction and perdition. For the love of money is the root of all evil, which while some coveted after, they have heard from the faith and pierced themselves through with many Sorrows And Paul warns Timothy, he says, listen, you want to know the, the key to handling money well? Find contentment in Jesus Christ. That's where it's at. Tonight, maybe we just need to come back and say, Lord, I realize that, that it's easy to let the God of money and possessions try to take in, come in and take over. But God, I want you to be God. I want you to be God of our budget. I want you to be God of, uh, of our home in every way. Because listen, if you have children in your home, they're watching how you respond and how that you work with money. And if you say, listen, it's all God's. And so we're just going to be a good steward with what God entrusts with me. Guess what they're going to do? They're going to follow in those footsteps. And you'll raise another generation of, of believers that loves the Lord and, and loves Him more than anything else in this world. Thank you so much for joining us today. It is such a privilege to share God's Word with you. If God has spoken to your heart because of the message, stop right now and respond to whatever it is God is asking of you. Don't wait another minute. You can pray right where you're at and ask God for His help. If this message has helped you in any way, we would love to hear from you. Let us know if you have any questions, or we can help you with your decision. Jesus asked his disciples, Who do ye say that I am? And he offers the same question to you today. What would your answer be?